Two Twogs Bagpipe and History Podcast, where we listen to old tunes possibly played by 18th and 19th century bagpipers. And in this special Halloween edition, we explore the spooky side of bagpipes. Listen on if you listen dare. At this point, it's probably obvious from my introduction that this will be a slightly irreverent and goofy episode uh, looking at some fairy stories and stories of ghosts and the devil playing bagpipes and just some imagined tunes to go along with those stories or tunes that are themselves kind of spooky or um, titled or have ghost stories associated with them. So um, the melodies we're going to listen to, we already listened to What the Devil Ails You, uh, from Robert Bremner. I was looking through Bremner's Caledonian Country Dances, uh, and there's just so many good tunes in there, but there's quite a few that I found that just sounded kind of spooky. Um, so that was the first one, What the Devil Ails You. And then the next tune we're going to play uh, is kind of an imagined set in my head for what the devil would play in Thomas Shanter, the Robert Burns poem, and I'll read a little bit of Thomas Shanter too. Uh, that set's going to be a tune called uh, Devil Sticks the Preacher, followed by The Devil's Dream. Uh, then after the Thomas Shanter set, I'll play a uh, kind of Scottish nursery rhyme with some spooky or creepy origins called Jenny Nettles. Uh, Jenny Nettles is in Bremner, and John Glenn talks about it as just such a lively dancing reel, um, but it is, it's another kind of creepy tune. Uh, then we're going to switch, and uh, kind of the whole second chunk of the podcast is about fairies and bagpipes and um, just fairy stories on Halloween. So we're going to start with a set of country dance tunes that just kind of make sense to me as a possible fairy ball, and that's the Fairies Revels, followed by uh, Heartsick Polly, I think is what the tune is called. And then after that, we will play a tune from Argentina called The Fairies Bagpipe. And we will end with Queen of the Fairies. 
and that'll be the conclusion of our episode here. So as always, the show notes will have kind of links to the archival collections where the music is coming from, um, but I will also be including kind of references and links to where the various oral traditions or uh, folklore collections I'm looking at for the stories. So you can check those out and read them on your own too. And we'll do a combination of me kind of talking about the story and maybe telling a version of the story as well and then go into the tune. So uh, I guess to start off, we should talk about Robert Burns and Thomas Hunter. I posted on Bob Dunsire forums kind of asking if anybody had any um, Samhain or Halloween bagpiping traditions. And uh, Adam, one of the moderators on there, mentioned that, you know, when he grew up in Aberdeenshire, they would always read Tamashanter on Halloween, and it's, you know, really good. And of course, Old Nick, or Satan, plays bagpipes in Tamashanter. And I hadn't actually read Tamashanter. I had heard about it before, but I'd, I'd never, I'm realizing now I never fully consumed it. It's so good. Uh, if you, like me, haven't read Tamashanter yet, uh, treat yourself to it. I'll read some excerpts in perhaps a poor take on Scott's dialect. Um, We'll read some excerpts for it and then talk about it. But there's a cool, I'll, I'll link it in the show notes too. There's a fun kind of animated video of it on YouTube where the, there's cute image stills as well as uh, a really good reading of the poem in its entirety. But if you're not familiar, the general basics are Thomas Hunter goes out drinking after his wife kind of complains about it, saying, you know, eventually you're going to wind up drowned in a river or haunted by, you know, the ghosts that inhabit the haunted kirk that are between our house and the pub. And Thomas Shunter blows it off as kind of needless complaining and is having a good drink in town and around midnight decides to that it's time to ride home. And in riding home, you know, just a horrible storm is brewing of rain and lightning, but he's got a good, you know, trustworthy mayor and Maggie and who kind of rides through these storms and as he's getting close to the Kirk he sees all of these horrific locations where people have died or been murdered and then as he gets close to the Kirk uh, he can see that there are lights on and revelry and dancing happening and he is enticed to go look so I'll just switch over and read a bit of the poem for you to listen to in spider and bold, John Barleycorn, what dangers thou canst make us scorn? With Tipney, we fear na evil, with Whiskeby, we'll face the devil. The sweat serimed, and Tammy's noddle, fair play he cared, na dales a bottle. But Maggie stood, right sair astonished, till by the heel and hand admonished, she ventured forward on the light, and bow, Tam saw an unco sight. Warlocks and witches in a dance. Nay, cotillion, brent new from France, but hornpipes, jigs, traspees, and reels put life and metal in their heels. A winnock bunker in the east, there sat old Nick in shape a beast. A towsy tyke, black, grim, and large, to gie them music was his charge. He screed the pipes and girt them skirl till roof and rafters a did dirl. Coffins stood round like open presses that showed the dead in their last dresses, and by some devilish cantrip slight, each in its cold hand held the light, by which heroic Tom was able to note upon the haley table, and medras, banes, and gibbeterns, twa span lang, we unchristened bairns, a thief new-cutted free a rape, where his last gasp his gab did gape. Five tomahawks, with blood-red crusted, five scimitars with murder crusted, a garter which a babe had strangled, a knife a father's throat had mangled, whom his ain son, a life bereft, the grey hairs yet stacked to the heft, with mere a horrible and awful, which even to name was being lawful. Three lawyers' tongues turned inside out, with lies seemed like a beggar's clout. Three priests' hearts, rotten black as muck, lay stinking vile in every nook. Thank you. 
So I strongly encourage you to check out the entirety of John Barley or Thomas Hunter. It's a heck of a poem. Um, I guess I won't spoil you what happens, but it's pretty laughable. I'll include a link not only to the YouTube video, but also to uh, a website that has kind of the Scots and then a not too terrible English translation next to it in case some of the vocabulary escapes you like it did me. Um, the tunes that I played, so the, the fellow who recommended Thomas Hunter is from Aberdeenshire, and he also provided the kind of the art for the episode, directed me to this image from the 1770s of Satan playing bagpipes. Uh, I'll have a link to that too. It's kind of interesting. It's off a political cartoon or a political image of kind of what Scotland effect, what the Scottish effect was on the American Revolution. Uh, so you can look at that and try to figure it out. Um, but I wanted to, you know, find some old tunes that would have been well established by the time Burns wrote Thomas Shanter, and it just seemed fitting since, um, you know, since Adam's from Aberdeenshire in his youth when he heard Thomas Shanter. So those tunes both come from um, John Sutherland's collection, uh, who is a pastoral piper in Aberdeenshire in the mid-18th century, and certainly tunes that would have been around during Robbie Burns' time. The first one, uh, Devil Stick the Preacher, shows up in other collections too, so we'll play, well, and so does The Devil's Dream. It's pretty recognizable, I assume, uh, by most of you. The Devil Stick the Preacher shows up in Vickers' manuscript. I'm going to play that too on Small Pipes, but uh, The Devil's Dream has an interesting history as well, the tune, or the story of the tune, shows up in a collection written by Jabez Allies, who is an English folklorist in the early 19th century. They published a book called The Ignis Fatus, or Will the Wisp and the Fairies, in 1846. So I'll have a link to it in the show notes if you want to look through it. But he has this, this interesting story that I'll just read to you because it's nice and brief. It says, An old fiddler of the name of Pengree was one night, about 40 years ago, returning home by himself to old storage from the wake which had been held at Knightsford Bridge Inn. He had to pass a place called Hell Garden, which was situated at the bottom of Cherry Bank, near to the upper house in Alfric. And when he came there, he said, Oh, I've come to Hell Garden, well, I'll give the devil's dream, which no sooner had he struck up than, to show not alone in his glory, about a hundred and fifty strange female figures came and danced all around him in pattens, which made him not only unshoulder his fiddle pretty quickly, but take to his heels as fast as he could run. Then he assured my informant, Mr. John Presdy, that it was perfectly true. And it is not unlikely that he did see some dancing things there, for we may rest quite satisfied that the wonder-working spirit called Old Cider had not only entered into, but taken full possession of our hero. Um, so it's a, it's a fitting tune. I kind of, I found the story after I had fixed this for the old Nick's set. Uh, so it makes total sense that the devil would play a tune kind of celebrating hitting a preacher and then also the devil's dream, which is known to cause dancers to come around. Uh, obviously that tradition's from a bit after Burns's time, likely, but cool tunes. So I'm going to include Vicker's manuscript setting for uh, Devil Stick the Preacher. Supposedly this tune is old and comes from kind of covenant, uh, covenant or preachers going around breaking fiddle bows to keep people from dancing and playing music, and that's when this tune is perhaps originally written. Uh, at least that's according to traditional tune archives it'll write up. But interesting tune. Uh, so Vicker's manuscript is probably around 1770, and just a huge collection of dance tunes from kind of northeast of England, probably. Uh, so yeah, hope you enjoy it. Gotta include this so I keep myself playing these small pipes. Uh, yeah, definitely taking some time adjusting to the small D chanter. I started to stretch uh, my fingers kind of after playing, which I think will help in the long run and probably a thing I should have been doing for years. Um, just stretching out those muscles in the hands for being all cramped up. So anyway, here is Vickers' Devil Stick the, Pre uh, Devil Stick the Minister.
So the next tune is sort of another one that sounds spooky to me and also has, I don't know, it just has some a ghost story attached to it, more or less. Uh, it's called Jenny Nettles. I first came across it from looking through Bremner's country dance uh, collection. There's a, there's a lot of good tunes in that. I think we'll have an episode on Bremner's country dance music soon, because every, like, when I was looking through Walsh's Caledonian country dances, it was like maybe one every ten tunes were good for me to play, and I enjoyed them. And Bremner, I realized that I'd have to, I wanted to play everything. Uh, but anyway, Nettles, Jenny Nettles, is an old, old melody um, that eventually got kind of adjusted by, was used in Ramsey or referenced in Ramsey's kind of Highland opera, and Robert Burns wound up writing a set of t- uh, lyrics to it, which I think more or less became a nursery rhyme uh, throughout Scotland for a long time. And the story is one of these just tragic tales that turns into a nursery rhyme that kids hum at each other, where uh, Jenny Nettles is this beautiful woman from Fife, and when Rob Roy's kind of army is down in Falkland Palace, she falls in love with one of the officers, and they have a child, and when the army leaves, she he just abandons her, and he comes in the song, you know, she's presenting the baby and trying to get her, you know, the father of her child to respect her and be with her some more, and uh, he doesn't, and she winds up killing herself from a tree, and because she's committed suicide, she can't be buried in the kirkyard, and they wind up burying her kind of underneath a tree in a cairn, and now there's ghost stories about somebody wandering that area. But uh, anyway, uh, in John Glenn's writing about this tune, he talks about what a lively reel it is, but I found it better just as kind of a spooky-sounding march, so I'll play it that way, like I see it in Robert Bremner, and then We'll do the Highland uh, setting for it after. Make sure to check out the notes. I'll have a link to the Robert Burns um, song of it from Scott's Musical Museum in the show description too. And it looks like just kind of poking around online. It looks like Fairport Convention does a cover of the song called of a song called Jenny Nettles. I know it kind of morphs a little bit in the Shetlands into Joni Nettles, I think. Um, but I haven't listened to that stuff. But if you like the melody and the story, you can go hunting for some more stuff. Uh, this is the Highland Pipe setting for it, and 
you know, I've, I'm always at a loss. Some of these tunes I play, and like they're clearly written for fiddles, but then some of them, are, especially in Bremner, are set that would be very comfortable for Highland pipes at least. And uh, this one in particular, it seems like it's it's been around for so long. You know, nearly the entire 18th century, you find records of this melody and various collections. So uh, this Highland pipe setting is from William Gunn's collection. So it's quite a bit later. I think it's kind of I think it's like 1840s. It's after Angus Mackay's. But uh, here's his setting for it. He calls it Jenny Nettles or the Taylor's Daughter. The rest of the tunes in this episode are nowhere near as bleak, um, where the rest of the tunes are really more about fairies. I uh, found, I had a fun time kind of digging around looking at various folklore collections and oral histories and uh, kind of stories about fairies and Halloween and bagpipes, and I'm sort of just limiting myself to, to three stories, uh, two of which I saw many, many different versions of uh, and attributed to various places around Ireland or various places around uh, the Highlands or Islands of Scotland. And the first one I'm going to talk about is some fishermen getting stuck in a fairy dance. Uh, I found this in a collection of folklore written by uh, John Gregerson Campbell, who we'll be talking about more. I wound up buying three of this guy's books, and uh, I'm only telling one story from it, so we'll we'll see it. But... Uh, so this book was written probably sometime between, well, certainly sometime between 1860 and 1890, and I believe it was published after uh, Campbell died. So it was published in 1900. Um, the way this works, there are several different versions of the same story, of every story that he talks about in here. So I'm just going to kind of do a composite version of it, which is a blend of many of my favorite components of the different versions from various islands and places in the Highlands. Uh, which is bad form, I'm sure, for folklorists, but uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's okay for a Halloween episode of a bagpipe podcast, uh, but you can look at the original. And the thing I like about the story, it's pretty consistent with uh, kind of fairy time warps and how you think you're doing a thing for a brief period of time and it turns out it's been forever and you're kind of trapped in a perpetual dance. So that is what this, uh, this is, that's what the story shows and that's what the tune shows too, I think or the tunes show, rather. So here's the tunes uh, that I associate with a fairy dance. There are two English country dances. Uh, one is called The Fairy's Rebels, and the next one is called Lovesick Polly. And it feels like the right kind of music for being stuck in a fairy dance, where it seems like it's all going to be nice and lovely, and then once you're in for a whole year passing... Uh, faster than you can imagine, the tempo changes and the feeling of the tune changes. So this comes from uh, the Thompson, Thompson Complete Country Dances uh, for 1773-ish, that's where we get Lovesick Polly, and The Fairies Rebels comes from another country dance collection. That one is called Bland and Wellers, uh, and it's from 1803. Yeah, he's got a story about these two these two fishermen uh, on the Isle of Harris that are out gathering their fish. It's John and Rory, and John's pretty clever, or at least aware of his surroundings, and Rory's sort of a famous idiot. Uh, and they're out fishing, and they, you know, they're out later than they mean to be, and they make it to shore and start heading home, well, like after dark already on Halloween. And they're taking the path up to the village, and, you know, it's always just been a rocky outcropping, and as they get closer... 
as they're kind of walking past this rocky outcropping, all of a sudden there's a there's an opening in it, it's light pouring out of it, and just amazing music. And John and Rory both, you know, they've got this stringer of fish over their shoulders, and they're kind of getting closer. And Rory's just raring to go. He just rushes right in there to take advantage of the dance, leaves the fish stringer kind of over his shoulder before John can do anything to stop him. And John is pretty clever and realizes right away, like, oh, this is a fairy dance. And he pulls out a needle that he has in his pocket for mending nets and things and sticks it into the wooden frame of the door. And he's able to go in there and enjoy this merryful dance and just have a good old time. And once he feels like he's been in there long enough, he you know, goes to Rory and says, come on, Rory, let's go. And Rory just won't have any of it. His eyes are gone. He is delusional with joy dancing around at the fairies and uh, try as he might, John can't convince him otherwise. So he says to hell with him and just leaves, walks out, grabs his needle, grabs his fish and goes home thinking, you know, whatever, uh, Rory will be fine. He's a resourceful guy. Even if he's an idiot, he's always getting himself into problems. It'll be fine. And the next day, you know, John goes over to, to see Rory and maybe go out and tend to the fish again, but Rory's gone. And Rory's wife said he didn't come home the night before. And John just stays quiet and kind of walks away and goes down and looks in the boat to see if Rory got an early start and the boat's still there. And days go by and Rory doesn't turn up until eventually people start accusing John of murdering Rory. And John ultimately says, no, I think Rory's been stuck in a fairy hole, not a fairy dance, which of course sounds ludicrous, and people accuse him of murder outright, and it takes uh, quite a bit of negotiating and using kind of social connections for John to stay out of prison or stay out of jail and stay out of trouble, but still nobody trusts him. And eventually a wise woman comes to him and says, what you gotta do is go back to that same spot where Rory got sucked into the fairy dance a year and a day from when he got trapped in there and take these two blocks of iron and put them in the door and then you should be able to go in and, and drag Rory out. And after, you know, a year of people just feeling treating him like scum of the earth, uh, John's willing to try anything. So uh, next year and a day, he goes back to that same rock outcropping and sure enough, now there's a door and some bright music going by and he puts his pieces of iron and he rushes into the fairy dance and he sees Roy there dancing and, you know, John can't help himself. He's enjoying a dance or two first. And then finally he grabs Rory, who's still just dancing there with the fish dangling on his back as, you know, as if it was the exact same day that he went in to join the dance, just fresh, their eyes clean and good. And John kind of shakes him out of it and says, we got to get out of here. And Rory is again pleading like, no, no, I just want to finish the dance. I want to finish the dance. And now John can see like the gauntness in his eyes that Rory's just, he's, he's been in too long. And he's able to use his, you know, strength and smarts and push Rory out of the door. And as soon as Rory clears the wooden threshold and John removes the iron pins and the door kind of seals up behind them, the fish that Rory had been holding on his back this whole time, just immediately rotted away to putrid bones. And it seemed as if, you know, Rory aged 10 years right before John's eyes, but he was able to recover it and got him out of that dancing fairy pit. So that's good.
And then the last couple stories that I've got uh, both come from this Irish folklore collection. Uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce this in Irish. Dukas? Dukas? Uh, it's, the website is d-u-c-h-a-s dot i-e slash english or slash en but it's just amazing uh it's just a collection of uh oral kind of stories and traditions recorded in the 1930s is when most of them are from and they're just fascinating and there's tons of kind of hilarious fairy stories and stories about fairies and bagpipers Uh, one of them pointing out that halloween is the time that fairies ride uh, to kind of gather up people and that the only instrument that fairies care for at all is bagpipes and uh, but there's a couple stories that keep on coming up that i was quite fond of and kind of messaging back and forth with barry o'neill this week asking uh, if he knew any kind of had any thoughts about fairies associations with bagpipes and uh, how that related to his talk last week uh, at Southern California Ellen Piper's Club and uh, and he sent me another version of the story uh, which I think was from Scotland uh, but I'm not 100% sure but the story just is clearly well this is a well-worn story uh, so I'll have links to several versions of it but essentially the story is that, um, you know, a mother has a baby that just won't quit crying. And it was it just out of nowhere, this baby started crying and wouldn't quit crying. And she couldn't figure out what was wrong with it. Everything she could try to do to try to calm it down and comfort it just wouldn't happen. Um, and so she just had a crying baby. And that's the thing that happens. You have babies and they cry and you've just got to suffer through it. Um, one day she had a man come over to do some work for her. He was a tailor and a bagpiper and he brought his pipes with him. Uh, just cause why leave home without him and had put the pipes down kind of on one side of the, the house and, and went to work kind of making these sewing adjustments or whatever that, uh, she needed. And he was working away and the woman just kind of left to go tend to some farm work the whole time. The baby's just crying and the dude's like, all right, I guess I'll just work through this crying baby and as soon as the woman left the baby quit crying and said is that old nag gone and the dude was like startled like what the heck this baby just spoke to him uh and then when he kind of grunted yeah the she's gone the baby got up ran over and started just wailing away on this dude's bagpipes just killing it uh and the woman kind of heard these bagpipes coming from the house and she was a little concerned that the tailor was not doing the work that she wanted but was instead playing bagpipes and thought that might be you know disturbing her baby so she went in there and as soon as like her foot got on the door and the door started to open the baby put the bagpipes down and rushed back to the cradle and started crying again and she says what's what's going on and the man says your baby just spoke to me and then started playing my bagpipes and she says that's nonsense it's crying she's like and he said leave again and you'll hear it and so sure enough so she says whatever and steps outside and as soon as the door closes the baby again quits crying and says is that old nag gone again and then he jumps up and starts playing his bagpipes and so then the mother comes in and the baby quicks rushes back and starts crying and you know between the tailor and herself they pretty quickly realize that oh this is a fairy this is not my child um and so they kind of shake scratch their heads about what they're going to do about this um and so finally the kind of after thinking about it for a long time the tailor comes in and he says hey the hill's on fire and the the baby quits crying and says my family my family is going to die uh and kind of rushes out to tend to his family who he thinks is on fire in the in the fairy fort but he was just bluffing but now that the trick was solved uh the fairy was gone and the next morning the woman's baby was returned there are so many versions of the story (laughs) varied ones where you know i I like the one the one that barry sent me and one of the three that i found on the duckus website is where the the baby just to me appears like a roger rabbit villain of like hey is that broad gone and then starts playing bagpipes um and another one for whatever reason they put the baby out in a river and like and send it down in a you know in a floating boat and as soon as it starts floating away the fairy you know the the baby that is actually a changeling or a fairy kind of just pulls out its own set of bagpipes and plays itself all the way down the 
down the burn, the creek there. Uh, anyway, so for a tune for this, we're going to imagine uh, the fairy's bagpipe is the, the tune we're going to play. So this is a fun tune. Uh, obviously, the title is, is what fits the story here. There are several other stories about like fairies actually giving pipes to pipers, which would be a little bit more fitting, but that'll be for next Halloween. Um, but this collection, this tune comes from an Argentinian, uh, well, an, an immigrant, so an Irish Argentinian, a uh, fellow named Padraig Ganley, who kind of emigrated to Argentina, as near as anyone can tell, uh, either towards the very beginning of the 20th century or late 19th century and was a Gaelic speaker and was or Irish speaker and was really involved in kind of the Irish and Gaelic revival stuff and he wound up writing just this massive collection of tunes and they're all like they're good many of them are good melodies I've, I've played several of them as a tune of the day um, but they all just have really good titles like I love a good title that I can tell stories about uh, which is evident by you know, this one, the fairy's bagpipe. So, um, yeah, here's the fairy's bagpipe uh, to imagine the, the tune that this little changeling fairy no doubt cranked out on the pipes that he stole from the tailor when the mother ran away. fun tune like i said definitely poke around that argentinian irish collection um so we got one more story and song uh so i'm just gonna i guess do some bookkeeping first uh i'm gonna take next week off um <laughs> between the country dance concert and like the amount of effort i've put into this halloween tunes i need to force myself to take a break uh but there's plenty of back catalog to listen to, and also, like I said, come check out that country dance um, presentation that will be on Sunday at 3.30 p.m. Central Time. You can I'll share it to the Way to Talk Bagpipe and History Podcast Facebook page, but it's technically part of the North American Voyager Council's kind of fur trade history weekend. We generally, we'd be meeting in person, but again, we're not <laughs> for COVID, and so a couple of us are doing some live stream things so can hear my thoughts about country dance music and play a bunch of tunes that uh, you haven't heard yet and maybe a couple familiar ones but it'll be some pretty new stuff uh if you're in america and you know 
don't mail in your ballots anymore. Uh, there's there's my advice if nobody told you that. If you're doing a mail-in ballot, don't do that. It's too late. Just take it in person and drop it off at a drop box or if your state allows it, vote in person on the day. Uh, and also, us Americans and really everybody else around the globe too, just normalize that we are not going to know the results of this thing on November 3rd. Uh, that's pretty spooky, this whole, we have to know on election night. Like, we barely knew last time, and we certainly shouldn't know this time. There's too many absentee votes and things need to get counted, but just have to accept that. <laughs> I'm a little nervous that they're going to declare everything done and dusted uh, well before all the votes are counted, and it's going to cause all kinds of chaos. So just get your head ready for it not actually being done yet. Um, yeah, like I said, take a next week off. Um, use that time to listen to the back catalog, rate the podcast, tell a friend about it. Uh, it's pretty great hearing from people that their friends recommended the show to them. Um, that means a lot. Like the you folks out there that are doing the good work of recommending the show to other people that might like it. Uh, your ace is in my book, man. That's uh, I appreciate it. Uh, okay, so. Let's do, when I come back next week, we'll probably do another kind of country dance themed episode, maybe Robert Bremner's collection or that other cook collection or just something in general. I don't know quite specifically what it will be. So, uh, but probably country dance themed because I've got a lot of that stuff recorded. Um, that's going to get used and talked about somehow. So that's what will be next week. So for now to go out on our Halloween um, our last Halloween story. So this is another story from the 1930s from that collection, that website. Uh, this one I, I really like as well. There's a, so there's a Piper who's wandering home kind of late one night and he's passing a fairy for it. And he hears these fairies just playing amazing music and he's playing, they're playing a tune that he has never heard before in his entire life. And he's just listening to this tune, trying to trying to figure it out. And he, he finally memorizes it. He memorizes the tune and he starts walking away because now he's got this tune in his head and he can't wait to play it. And as he's walking away from the fairy fort, the fairies stop him. Like the dance stops and a bunch of them rush over and stop him. And a short one kind of comes and says, if you play that tune, you'll come with us. You'll have to come with us. And the guy says, okay, I won't play the tune. You know, no, don't worry. I won't play the tune. And then the fairies leave him alone and he goes home and he tells his mother, like, holy crap, mother, I, you know, met, I heard the fairies dancing and I heard this amazing tune, but they said if I play it that I'll get sucked away with them. And his old mother says, well, Jesus, don't play the tune. Like, whatever you do, don't play that tune. You don't want to get sucked away to fairyland. And he says, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't you know, I'll forget it completely. And, you know, he goes about his life and things just seem normal for a while and he doesn't play the tune and then he's playing a particularly kind of fun wedding and he's just, the tunes are just flowing out of him and next thing you know, he just trips into a hornpipe and it's this fairy's tune. And he doesn't get but two notes into it, maybe five, and then he just disappears like a cloud of smoke up a chimney and nobody knows where he goes. And he's just gone, just gone for half a year. Everybody is doesn't know where it would happen to him, where he went. His mother's just worried sick, and his mother finally gets the advice of a wise woman, and she tells you know the mother tells the wise woman the story about the fairies and the tune, and they kind of figure that's what must have happened. So, wise woman goes back to the fairy fort with some holy water, and does some some magicking and puts the the holy water down, and just like that, her son returns, just poof shows up right in the fairy fort, and they're just so happy to to see him and. Um, she says, oh, you know, it's so good to see you. And he's got so many things to tell her about Fairyland uh, and says, you know, I've, it was just, it was amazing. And she says, well, what happened? He's like, well, I, what they, they made me every day just go and play for this football match. So I've been stuck in Fairyland and just playing for the football match. Um, but yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't too long. Right. And his mother says, how long do you think you've been gone? And he said, well, just a couple days. And she said, it's been six months. And so they were horrified and they went home and agreed not to tell anybody about this. And so they didn't tell anybody about, you know, that he was stuck in fairyland for playing a fairy tune. Uh, and he lived a happy life after that. The story makes sure to tell you that he lived for another 30 years or 20 years uh, after getting sucked to fairyland for so long. Uh, it doesn't, the story doesn't give us particularly good details about 
what tune it was. And so I sort of left trying to imagine what would be a forbidden tune um, that would be easily recognizable and also has some sort of bewitching characteristics, which is how I arrived at Queen of the Fairies. And it's been kind of interesting. For several days, I've been trying to track down the history of that tune. And, you know, there's a pretty well-known recordings of Limo Flynn playing it. And it's a beautiful hornpipe. Um, and it goes up to the third D. Cool tune. Um, Lima Flynn says that he got it off Seamus Ennis. And thanks to some help from Nicholas Brown and the message board on Cliff and Fipple, um, there's some recordings from a 1971 Chanel and Session where um, Seamus Ennis is playing it. And then people are asking him about the tune. Um, there's a recording, maybe from a bit later, where... Um, people are, are playing the tune and it's a little bit different and a slightly more recent recording Barry O'Neill refers to it as Conroy's dream when somebody else is playing it uh, which I think that recording's from the 80s couldn't find anything on Conroy's dream you know some tunes just don't really leave a big footprint in the archives that are available online so maybe that's what's going on um, again through that um, Cliff and Fipple forum uh, found an old uh, Oppie Bear issue uh, where Peter Lavin kind of transposed Seamus Ennis playing the tune, which is a fair amount. I mean, it's not hugely different. The second part is quite different from Lima Flynn's, um, but the first part is, is pretty similar. But uh, there's no name associated with it in the Seamus Ennis transcription. Uh, as far as what Seamus Ennis called it, but then there is a reference to it being called, uh, when Tommy Keane played it, calling it Concassities. Of course, there's other Concassities tunes that is not the Queen of the Fairies. So, I don't know, I'm inclined to think that Queen of the Fairies is sort of an infectious tune that may very well have come from fairies, and if Seamus Ennis had it, I think he would be happy to say that, yeah, he got it off of some fairies. But hopefully I'm wrong. If you've got more details on the origin of this tune, let me know. That's a cool tune. I, it has totally transfixed me, uh, and I feel like I've been bewitched by fairies and playing it. I've kind of played through it w one time before earlier this year, uh, and as soon as I start playing it, I just get a little bit obsessed with it. I don't know if anybody else has this experience with it, but the, the third D is so challenging, and then when it works, it just sounds so incredible and otherworldly. Like it feels like magic is happening when it's, when it's really working on point and just makes you want to keep playing it over and over and over again, which feels a little bit like being stuck in a fairy dance uh, or stuck playing for a football match for the fairies for six months straight without realizing it. So anyway, here is Queen of the Fairies. And my playing of this is mostly the version as it appears in the Napibra Ilan article of Seamus Ennis's playing. I do borrow a little bit from Lee Flynn's playing of the, the final part and the, the second part of the tune. Just the way that Ennis apparently played it just doesn't make a lot of musical sense to me. Or it's not pleasing to my ear, and it might be once I heard somebody else do it. But since I didn't actually hear Seamus Ennis play it, only have the notes for it, I'm kind of left at a loss. Anyway, thanks for listening. Happy Halloween. Uh, yeah, have some fun out there. Watch that Tam O'Shanter cartoon. It's a hoot. And if you're not bagpiped out at 3.30, come watch my country dance thing. Uh, cheers. I'll have a link to that in the description as well. Happy Halloween! Happy Halloween! Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween.